weekend, it's a little different after you've done a week of solo shows. Especially when the top story is Blue Jays and the second story is, hey, some a couple months from now, we, we can watch a horrible Leafs Amazon series where you get to relive one of the most painful losses in your team's history. But that's where we're at. It actually reminds me of my mom likes to tell this story about when I was a little kid. My uncle bought me um, a VHS of Ninja Turtle's Secret of the Ooze. And my uncle called to make sure I got the present. And I took on the phone and I yelled, Thank you for Secret of the Ooze. Mom says I can watch it when I'm seven. And I think I was like four. And that's how I feel about this Amazon series. But we're going to break it down. It's my buddy, Justin Bourne, who does every show, apparently. He's just nonstop working. He just can't help himself. He's the same as me. What's up, bro? Not much, man. Do you just let the, like, play-in music from breaks play to, like, song completion when you have to do shows by yourself? To be honest, I, like, I... Okay, this is embarrassing. I hate that you actually asked this question because I, I can't help but tell the true answer. I feel like you there's a natural point where you're supposed to jump in with songs, mm -hmm. right? Like, you let it play... And then there's always a point where you kind of know, and that's the like, part you start. So that yeah. one, it's like, looking forward to the weekend, and it's like, <laughs> now go, right? It's calculated. <laughs> All these things are calculated, buddy. I don't let anything go here. Yeah. You know me. It's not yeah. just let it ride. I've seen other shows that do that in the past. There's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> There have been a few where you're like... Uh, Into the, the third verse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, All right, boys. Uh, legally, we're not allowed to play this entire song. Uh, <laughs> someone please start talking. So we've got an Amazon series, and I texted you yesterday that I want to do this thing. And it's kind of like a half-baked idea because, like, the, and, in this sense, in that, like, however you go with your answer, I'm not going to be like, that's not how the game works, okay? So this is a very, very safe space when it comes to this. But... Whenever we look forward to these documentaries where we already know kind of what happened, like, you think about the things that you're most curious of seeing, right? So, like, for example, on Drive to Survive's next season, I cannot wait to see how the dynamic between Max and Lewis plays out behind the scenes. Because we see so much of it publicly, but yeah. to see, like, the two of them interact is going to be phenomenal television. To see what Valtteri Bottas is going through on a week-to-week -week basis as he's in another year where they're basically just asking him to be the number two car and he doesn't really have a contract and there's rumors every week about whether or not he's going to be a driver. Um, that's going to be compelling television. So I want to do the same thing with the Leafs, which is just like the things we are most interested in and starting top to bottom. So that's the only way to do this. So like the stories that you are most interested in to least interested in, I figure we'll try to get in three each, but we might run out of time here, especially with this long-winded explanation. Um, <laughs> I can go first, you can go first, but when the Amazon series debuts and you get to watch these, I think, five episodes, do you want to say what you are most looking forward to first? Like what is the number one storyline in your opinion? So, I, you know, maybe I'm coming at this from more of a niche angle because I am so entrenched in the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's probably a higher level answer that involves Marner and Matthews and those guys, but that's not for me. Like, I know all of that stuff. I want to know how, like, Joe Thornton was talked about 
by the coaches when it came down to from the start of the season. Do you remember he started on the top line? And, like, we were kind of sold this idea that he might be able to be a winger for Marner and Matthews. I want to I want to see if there was some awkwardness as it went on and wasn't it was clear that he was not good enough to play there. Were there any discussions and they probably would never show us this but like where it was like guys it's Joe Thornton like we kind of have to play this guy. I just felt that the way his story arc with the Leafs over the season was fascinating to me for because he he wasn't good enough to be where he was playing in the lineup but he was Joe Thornton. So I actually have Joe Thornton on my list. I have it as Thornton room impact. And it involves a couple of the things that you talked about. Maybe it's just because he's uh, in the news today, but I actually think that it's a a decent place to start. It's not my number one story ranking. I had it as number four. Um, But I do think it's a really interesting one. And for some of the reasons that you outlined that I hadn't even really thought of, what I am like kind of more curious to see is how popular he was and his impact on just the general vibe in the room because – So much of what we heard this year was, hey, the Leafs don't want to give up on these guys because they believe in the room. They believe they had a great team, and they believe they had incredible team chemistry. And Joe Thornton might not have been good on the ice, but there's one thing that you I've literally never heard from a single person. Um, You know, Joe's overrated as a guy. (laughs) You know? that's Nobody says that. No one has ever said that. It is just you get – Hockey players who have been in Joe Thornton's orbit in private, the first thing that you need to ask is a Joe Thornton story, and they all have them. And he's just like, <laughs> he almost may, feels sometimes like he's a made up uh, legend in some ways in terms of what he does. But just taking pressure off these guys, and I know that they were front runners for a lot of the season, and so that does have uh, a part to play in this. But just, he he was the adult in the room again. He was the guy that Matthews and Marner seemingly were kind of hanging out with a lot and looked like from the outside anyway that he was the leader of fun, right? That he was the leader of just, hey, relax, take a step back, take a breath. And if we see that in this documentary, I think it's going to be pretty interesting because one, um, there needs to be an ownership from the young stars more so next season than ever before, right? Like that has to happen. You have to have the sink or swim moment where Marner and Matthews can be the unquestionable leaders and they balance all those things too. But in a year where there's this much pressure on the team and where the team is this unlikable and no one really cares about the regular season results and there's going to be constant you know, barbs on social media and from the traditional media and a shadow of doubt over this entire group. I remember talking to Colby Armstrong during last offseason and him telling me, you have no idea what Joe Thornton is going to do to that room in terms of taking the pressure off of those guys. And now not having him there, I actually do wonder if we see such a dynamic where he's so important in the room to remove him. I I just have curiosities about what that's going to look like. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that those players, those young star players felt some comfort uh, at not having to be the center of attention. And now it's at the point where no one wants to cut those guys any slack, right? It's like, oh, is the media too hard on you? It's like now they've earned the media scrutiny that's coming for them. Uh, and maybe now they could use a safety blanket more than they could have last year. But yeah, it, I expect it to be uh, an interesting dynamic. But unfortunately, we won't get to see that play out because I don't think they're ever letting another documentary crew in that dressing room ever again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was talking about with CJ a little bit yesterday. He's like, credit to them, credit to them, credit to them. I'm like, 
I mean, I think that they didn't have plans of this. I think that part of this was opportunistic that they thought, oh boy, this is going to be really great for us because we have this North Division and we should be able to cruise through it and uh, this is going to be our best opportunity in years and then it ended up being the most embarrassing thing ever. So uh, yeah, I guess credit to them that they have to finish their obligation. Quick side tangent. Um, are you surprised Thornton's going to play year 24 in Florida? Like, do you have any thought on it whatsoever other than I'm like, oh, wow, like, good for him. Uh, I made the joke on Twitter that, like, it's pretty hilarious to me that Joe Thornton saw a offensively talented team that can't get over the hump and was like, that's, that's yes. for me. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, the man has a type. He's yeah. done that his whole career and saw it in Toronto and sees it again in Florida. Is <laughs> it really harsh. year 24, by the way? Yeah, Ooh. year 24. 24 years old. Like That's 24 wild. years old in the NHL. That is an I also incredible th- accomplishment. Like It is. But I also think, though, like, wouldn't you rather have some, like, hungry 22-year-old who just wants to just, like, go, 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 Alaskan sled dog, go bang everything that moves and go sit on the bench? I yeah, know. I just I, – I, I think that what we are going to see in the Amazon series, again, is going to be the real value of Thornton and that there really is that – it, like there is, you just wrote an article about bad guys in the room, you know, mm-hmm. like how what a drag it can be, and like the the, the deleterious effects that it can have on other players, and how hockey culture is, and. I just think about like watching guys at the end of their careers, and granted, I think Yager was more effective during his final days in the NHL than I believe Thornton is going to be. But yeah, there, I I just think that there is something to bringing your team together and having that common goal, and that of course Toronto did fall apart, but that having Joe Thornton there, having him be the one where if things are going poorly, he can be the one that leads the team dinner. And I know this sounds so lame to some people right now where they're like, I don't care. I want the power play to work. Like, totally. That's not the most important thing. But I I just, I do, I do see more value in that, like almost than I see in (laughs) Pierre Engvall. Like, you know, like I think it's debatable. Yeah, no, it is going to be an interesting thing. You know, I, having been in dressing rooms my entire existence and seeing the effect that like big personalities have on the team, it is it truly is galvanizing in the sense that like you want something greater for the group, and so when things are going poorly, like there is this like I don't know intrinsic desire to push through for the group. Yes. When you're like, I just want to not be here. I just want this to be over with. So there, you know, I, I'm not someone who discounts that. I've seen that those guys do have value. Yeah, and it's like. Okay, I, I want to move on to the next thing, but um, everyone should be able to relate to that no matter what they do. When you go to work and you have people that you look forward to seeing versus people that you don't, how much easier does that make the job? Yeah. You oh know, like yeah. it, it still is like employment. You're still going to work. You're going to have hard days. And having that person that can kind of pick you up on a hard day or that you're like, hey, I can't wait to tell this person about this. Or do this with this person, like that matters. And just because it's professional hockey, I think that we like overemphasize it sometimes where they go, hey, it's good for the room. But it's like, that's just work. It's good to have good people in the room at any job. (laughs) So, yeah, I I do think that there's a value in that. The only thing is, is that the person does eventually have to perform in any industry and that if they're just good at being a good person, um, eventually that wears on other areas. And I think that was the problem with Joe here. Um, Mine is number one, should be... I debated between two things, but for me, number one is Marner-like ability. And I chose mm-hmm. that over Dubas. 
um, uh, the Dubas storyline that I have simply because of this. I cannot remember a player that was as disliked as, as Mitch Marner is in Toronto. And he's a local kid who scores a ton of points and who has had nothing but regular season success here. But the contract at the time was pretty like sneakily not well received by a lot of fans. But at that point, his approval rating was sort of through the roof because they had had the Tavares season and this team felt like they were really building towards something special. And again, Marner puts out the video that I still remember at the time after he signed the contract of like, well, Toronto, there's nowhere that I would have ever wanted to be. And it kind of rung hollow after he was asking for $11 million on his first contract um, as a guy from this city and who had been comparing himself to Austin Matthews. And like after this exit where it was a lot of dumping pucks over the glass and no production and visible frustration, I'm curious to see how he comes off in this doc because we don't know a lot about hockey players behind the scenes. And like Marner has always seemed like a bit of a kid and I know he's got boyish looks and there's that. So that factors into these things, but I am unbelievably curious as to like what this does for his approval rating because I actually feel like right before the season starts because that's the other part of this doc that why I think it actually matters as these guys are in training camp trying to put the last year behind them we are all going to be reminded of the sins of the past as we're just entering a new season and for someone like Mitch Marner who you've discussed always needing like a fresh start from the contract negotiations a fresh start from a poor performance a fresh start from this I don't really feel like he's going to be in an atmosphere where he's going to really get that. And if he comes off as at least likable, relatable, and you look at him as someone who's trying his absolute damnedest, there might be a part of you that empathizes with him and goes, damn, we might have been a little too harsh to this guy. If he comes off as unlikable, I just think that it's going to become an all-time dogpile on someone, and I don't know if they're going to be able to carry that weight into such an important season. I, I truly believe it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. The Marner thing is fascinating, like the evolution of public opinion on him. Because, I mean, how could you not love the, you know, this undersized local kid who, you know, gets drafted here and, and becomes a, you know, a top scorer in the league? Like, it's, he should be a huge story. And, you know, behind the scenes, he is a big personality, or at least he was before all this frustration and pressure. Um, you know, I, I was there when he was just new in the organization, and, um, you know, we had him in, like, development camp, and he was the biggest personality in the room. You know, I don't see that anymore from him. I It seems like he's, he's definitely more reserved and uh, resentful or quick to bite back at the media. Like, there, there's a certain tone to it that there didn't used to be. So I am curious to see how that's evolved within the group and how he's received. I just wonder if he could go back in those contract negotiations if he wouldn't say, let's get it in the nines here. <laughs> you know, like, let's not pile that weight on me before, you know, I really do anything in the league. Uh, it's so true. It's so true. And, uh, again, I... I Part of me does um, hate it because really it's um, a contract that is nothing compared to other pro athletes. And yeah. really everyone, again, if we're going to relate this to every other industry, um, everywhere has a salary cap, right? Like it's just not as explicit right. and it's not public, but every industry has a, well, this is what we can pay a person other than like, you know, executives that you hear about in stories that get bonuses whenever their companies, you know, go to ash and you're like, wait, what? This guy's those. getting a bailout who got like a <laughs> $2.5 million bonus because he wore a blue tie today. Like what? Like other yeah. than that reality. Um, 
this is still something where I go, hey, uh, I shouldn't really be faulting someone for going all in on this, but there is an element of team and there is an element of having to understand your industry and there is an element of, yeah, you are from here and you should have to know that your money does correlate to long-term success. And yeah, what you asked for was, it's like, it's one thing to ask for the, like, the most you can get. It's another thing to ask for something that's unprecedented. And that's what Marner did as a winger on his like RFA contract. <laughs> he asked for something that was unprecedented. And then his peers all signed for less the exact same year in markets where it's not as desirable to play from an upside standpoint or from a future projection standpoint. So, did, did yes, Nico very, very didn't want to hurt him as much as his own contract. Seeing what right. Rantanen signed for is like, uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I, I do think it's a big spot for Marner, and I do think that it's a yeah. big spot for fans. And um, I I have to believe that after the way he re- responded to media criticism, that he's going to be well aware of the narratives that are around him in this series. And I think that, like, I joked with CJ about if I could make a list of guys who are going to watch the series versus the guys who aren't, like... Here's my guess. John Tavares is not going to watch a second of the Amazon series. I don't think he's going to do it. I think, you know, uh, if someone put it on in his house, he's going to walk out of the room. Um, I don't think the same for Marner. I think that he'll watch it. I think that he'll pay attention to it. Um, And I really, really hope that if he's pissed off about it, that he can use it as added motivation to get over whatever hump uh, he's got. Um, What's uh, what's ironic about that is that no person – in the Toronto, on the Toronto Maple Leafs, tries harder to control the message around yep. him than Marner. Yep. Like you and I are both in the media, we've heard stories of uh, their camp refuting things and reaching out to people who've media members who've said things, and so. You know, maybe the reason this has been pushed back to October is some recutting because some people weren't happy with how it looked. I don't know, but you know, it's it's impossible to say. My, my other one, if I could just uh, yeah, change, yeah, go go go. Partner, I wanted to move on. Is uh, is Keith? You know, mm. I want to see Sheldon Keith. I want to see how he sounds in the room. I want to see how the team responds to him. You know, he is finally at the point where it's like he's been there long enough to not a new coach anymore. This is not the first go around. He's not. It's not the Babcock era that he's taking over. This is not. You know, how did the how did the team respond to him? How did he sound in the room? Uh, you know, always tough to get a sense for that from a documentary. However, we can. You can get a vibe. I think you can get a vibe, and I just want to see how he's communicating with his staff and with the team. This is. It'll be interesting for me in particular, having seen him do it five years ago in the minors. See, I think that this is a super personal one to you because you know him and you want to see, yeah. I think, if I'm going to uh, – here's what I'm projecting onto you, that you believe that this is someone who has had success and you know how he has success and how much he has altered it to fit in with this group and whether he is still kind of the coach that he was with the Marlies but taking that to the professional ranks, that that is going to be a big indicator of what we think about him as a head coach. But you actually will know about that more intimately than, say, others who don't know anything about the Marlies version of Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair projection. I, I just... You know, it's a big machine, the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is amazing. You would think that the Toronto Marlies would be a part of the big machine, but, like, when I was there, you know, then the team had all these great players that are now Leafs. No one came to the games. You know, like, there'd be, like, yeah, Chris Johnson might come to a game, you know, here, here and there. And, like, you know, you'd see, the, like, media was very rarely there. When you become the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, every, it's a huge machine to try to wield. And, you know, Keith, think about it. Like, his path of having been a, 
you know, where he went, what he went through as a player and in transition and becoming a coach and working his way up. He was always a part of a very isolated group of people all the way up from Pembroke and the Sioux and the Marlies. And all of a sudden he had to let everyone in and work with all these media members and all this staff and all these departments. You know, I want to see how, how he wielded that group. Cause that is not an easy thing to do. That's a big transition. My next storyline is how Austin Matthews carries himself. He always looks very cool from the outside. I think that he is. I think that he's someone who's very self-assured and understands what he can bring to the table. But I also want to see how he interacts with his peers. I want to see if there are snippets. And again, it's an edited. It still is not a pure, clean look into stuff. So we are going to have to make some projections and some leaps. But I do want to see how he interacts with all of his teammates, whether it's more cliquey, you know, where he's kind of part of a cool guy club, or if he has a hand in everybody in that dressing room, Um, whether he is the guy that is a little bit more shows up early and leaves late than he appears to be on the outside, which is just like, you know, we tend to put these um, stereotypes on scorers, right? They're flashy and they show up in the fancy car and they wear the fancy outfits and they know that they have this confidence and it's the reason why they've gotten here and blah, 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 blah. But this is his team now. And Tavares might wear the C and Tavares might be extremely still important to this team winning a Stanley Cup, but there's no one even close to the same important level as Austin Matthews. And so getting an inside look at everything he does in a day-to-day and how he interacts with his teammates and who he's cool with and particularly like Freddie Anderson always appears to be one of his best buddies and he's not going to be on the team next year and like kind of how that's going to relate to who he's with in that dressing room, I actually do think is like really, really interesting. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It, it's weird that sometimes these players that are in huge markets like Toronto um, for their sport, we actually get to know them less. You know, like if you're a part of a small market, uh, you're in Columbus, you're in Florida, Carolina, there's a small amount of media members. I think a trust builds up between the media, uh, the few media and the players. Uh, they're more likely to let, let, let the media into their home and have these exclusives. Like right now, if you try to get uh, an interview with some of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I've been on Hockey Central for two years. I think it's fair to say we're the biggest hockey show that there is in radio. I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's uh, being dramatic or not. But we're up there anyway. We get big guests. Austin Matthews never been on our show in Toronto. Mm. You know, like it's insane to me that we can't have access to these guys. So I think this is a thing where we don't know him. We they haven't let us get to know him, and so this is a rare no. glimpse to see those interactions and get a vibe for the person, not just the player. And I'm. I think we're. I think fans here are hungry for that. I want to know more about him yep. and what he's like for sure. Yep. And again, like, it is controlled to a degree, like it is edited to a degree, but this is less controlled than Austin Matthews deciding what he's going to do on social media with his social media team. And, yeah, it's just too bad that the one thing Kyle Dubas really took from Lou Lamorello was not, you know, how to negotiate a contract. It was uh, how to handle the media, and that was don't do anything and make these guys as um, mysterious as possible. <laughs> like, oh, you know, like, nobody they protected gets these kids when they were rookies, but, like, these are yeah, grown-ass men now. Let's yeah. go. I know. I know. Absolutely it is. Um, I wanted to get to six topics. We got to four. I think that's pretty good for us. My other two just right before, like, we, we got to go, but they were obviously it's Dubas, but the other is, and this doesn't apply to the next season. That's why I had it last, but I can't wait to see how, you know, the goalies played out. And, you know, uh-huh. the Freddie Anderson story is, like, I don't know. I think that it's going to be really, really interesting to see how he handled everything and the behind the scenes of that injury. And, 
yeah, um, I think it's going to be a pretty fascinating series, and we're going to enjoy it a lot more than we realize uh, just because of the obvious unceremonious exit. Uh, Justin Bourne, Hockey <laughs> Central. Uh, you're the best, man. Thanks for making time today. Anytime. Thanks, buddy. See you, brother. Um, I'll be back on Monday. And so will Ben freaking Ennis. Wow, going to join us for an hour of his time. Catch you next week. Good show. J.D. Bunkus, Sportsnet 5.9 The Fan.